And before we get started, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I come before you this morning. Now, Lord, I pray over the word this morning. Lord, I pray that as we talk about the next step in the Beatitudes, the blessed are the peacemakers. Lord, as we talk about what it means to be a peacemaker, as we talk about the consequences of the Beatitudes in our lives and the consequences of, of, of us living righteously, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to each heart that's here. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just speak to each heart, to, to each person, that, that it would prick their heart, that it, would, that it would push them a little further in their faith, that it would push them a little further in their walk with you, that we would be called the sons of God. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 5. And starting with verse 1, it says this. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We've talked about the Beatitudes now. This is part six in the series. So this we've talked about it for five weeks now. For five weeks, we talked about all these different Beatitudes, and blessed are the poor in spirit. We know that when we come to God humble before him, saying, God, you are everything, and, and I am nothing, that I step aside, that I am second, and you are first. If we can turn the light on just a little bit up here. But to, to see that blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin. Blessed are the meek. We understand that meekness is not weakness, but power under control. It's deferential to others. It's peaceable. We're going to talk about that today as well. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I think that speaks very well for itself. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Remember, we talked about the man in the road and the good Samaritan. I can't, I can't give mercy until I receive mercy. So we talked about blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's go to the next one. It brings us to this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. We're going to break this down, but there's an important realization we have, to, we have to come to as we're nearing the end of the series, and the important realization is that if we go back, go back one slide, from the beginning where blessed are the poor in spirit, all the way to blessed are the peacemakers and blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, that will be coming up. This is all a blueprint for our relationship with God. This is all a blueprint. Jesus lays it out, and it's a blueprint that it's our relationship that when our character is not just transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, but in realizing the steps that we need to take and then consciously taking them. It's not just in hearing, but in also in doing. It's not just hearing, but listening and doing. So, so we hear the word or we see the word, and then we consciously take the steps to fulfill the word in our lives. 
So I like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those that are, they shall be comforted. That when you mourn, you'll be comforted. When you're meek, you'll inherit the earth. For those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you make the conscious decision to hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you will be filled. I love this because it, it's, it, it holds me accountable. It holds me accountable for my relationship to God. It holds you accountable for your relationship with God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, don't expect to be filled. The Bible is very clear here that, the, that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Unless I am merciful, I cannot obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you want to see God, it's up to you to take the steps necessary to be pure in heart. And a lot of times, in our own strength, there's nothing, and we give it over to the Holy Spirit. But that is a conscious decision. It's a conscious decision to say, God, I give you my life. I give you my ministry. I give you my family. I give you my relationships. I give you my career. I give you everything. And when I do, that purity in heart, I shall see God. These are not merely suggestions. These are not merely suggestions for, well, it would, it would be really nice if you kind of did these things. These are blueprints for your relationship. These are blueprints for saying, if you want to see God, experience God in your life, and be filled with power, here's what you need to do. That's what I love about this. It holds me accountable. And it doesn't automatically happen. Listen, we are automatically saved by grace. But we still have to live here. We're saved by grace, people. There's nothing I can do to earn it. There's nothing I can do to earn the blood of the Lamb. I Listen, when I came into this world, I was a sinful, messed up creature. As I grew in this world, I was a sinful, messed up creature. There was nothing I could do to deserve the grace of God. It is only by His grace that I stand here. It is only by his blood that I stand here. It is only by the cross that we stand here. Apart from him, I am nothing. But as I draw near to God, he will draw near to me. You say, Pastor David, where do you see that? Please go to the next slide. James 4, 7 and 8, and also 10. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, a conscious decision, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will lift you up when you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. This is what's exciting about this. Only when I take the step, when I consciously do this, when I consciously resist the devil, he will flee from me. When I consciously draw near to God, he will draw near to me. When I consciously, when I take the step towards him, he takes the step towards me. People say, well, I feel so far from God. Take the step towards him, and he will take the step towards you. When I draw near to God, he will draw near to me. Amen? 
when we move in his direction, he moves towards ours. And this brings us to the series and the Beatitudes. Go to the next one. What is peacemaking? Go back uh, two slides. There you go. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are, for they shall be called the sons of God. There was a guy, his name was Tamatoe. Tamatoe was the king of Huahine. I'm going to get some of the words mixed up here. It's okay. First, I thought it was tomato, so I could call him tomato for a long time, but it's Tamatoe. He was the king of Huahine, an island about 80 miles west-northwest of Tahiti. He became a Christian in the year 1818 as a result of a missionary. Some of Tamateo's savage neighbors on a nearby island hated Christianity and determined to burn Tamateo to death. They determined to burn him to death along with everybody who had become a Christian with him. Tamateo had become a Christian, 1818. He's living on the islands. A bunch of other people become Christians as well. Neighbors across the island, they want to kill him. However, Tamateo discovered the plot. And a band of Christians hid near the landing site where the savages were supposed to come. As the enemies leaped from their canoes in the dark, they were disarmed without receiving any physical harm. Now weaponless, the savages were sure they were going to be put to a cruel death. We can imagine the surprise when Tamateo and his Christians treated them kindly, prepared a feast for them, and invited the savages to partake with them. At the end of the feast, one of the savage chiefs stood up and said that because of this unexpected kindness, he had decided to become a follower of Christ. Others joined him, and within days, every heathen idol on the island was destroyed, and everybody became a Christian. Blessed are the peacemakers. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? Go, go to the next few slides here. What is peacemaking? When we talk about blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? So what is peacemaking? Number one, it is not just forgiveness. If I'm at odds with somebody, let's say Doug. I like to pick on the Hanson family. Let's say Bryce. Why not? This is new. No, it's not. If I'm at odds with somebody... They do, wrong, I do, they do wrong against me or I do wrong against them. Listen, I will hold on to that thing. It is in our nature. We will hold on to it. And if, if God touches our heart, and listen, it is not just saying, well, you know, I forgive you. I forgive you, and it makes it all better. But it's not just forgiveness. And I, wa I want you to understand, forgiveness is a powerful aspect of peacemaking. But it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. It's a powerful aspect of it, but it's not the only thing. I like what uh, Corey Ten Boom says. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is an act of your will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. That the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. It doesn't matter if you are fired up every time you see them. It is a conscious decision on your part to be peaceable with them. Now, imagine Kay and I. Kay and I, listen, you wouldn't believe what she said about me. 
Who told you? Yeah, that's right. That's what I thought. Merry Christmas, Kay. You wouldn't believe what she said. Listen, she, she, she hurt my feelings. And you know what? I wasn't very Christian about it either. I said something that hurt her feelings too. I said, you know what, Kay? Fill in the blank. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I, I don't want to say it, you know. But we're at odds with each other. We have a disagreement. She becomes not neighborly to me. I'm not neighborly towards her. Listen, I saw her in the grocery store. Have you ever been there? You're at odds with somebody, and you see them at the fairway, or you see them at the high V, and you look, and you see them from across the, I mean, they don't even know you're in the store, but you see them all the way down there. There's one of two responses that most people are going to have. The first response is to avoid them. Just, just, I mean, you will take your cart, and you'll say, whoa, whoa, nope, going around, going the other way. Nope, going the other way. They will, listen, there's people that will leave the store. There's people that, okay, I got a cart full of groceries. I'm just going to leave it here. God bless the bag boys at Fairway and Hive. Just, just, just leave it here. I'm going to walk away because I don't want to be in a conflict with this person. That's number one. That's what a lot of people would do. Then there's what I would do and some others. You aren't backing down. You got your cart. You see them, they might not see you, but you're going to make sure they see you. So you take your cart and you get closer and you get closer and maybe you bump them a little bit. Just to make sure they see you. Kay, you better see that I'm here. And when, you, when, when she looks at me, I give her the old stink eye. I don't know where stink eye came from, but that's what it's called. Where I look at her and give her the old stink eye. It's confrontative. It's, you know that I know that you hurt me and I hurt you. But I am not ready to make peace. You know and I know. But listen, it is not, I like what C.S. Lewis says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Everyone says forgiveness is a great idea until they have something to forgive. But keep in mind, it's not just, it's not sweeping it under the rug. It's not, well, I'm going to avoid them and, and I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just stay out of their way and they stay out of mine. That's not peacemaking. That's not, listen, if they say, well, you know, I see Kay and, and God bless her, I'm just going to forgive her. That's still not peacemaking. That's a powerful aspect of it, but that's not peacemaking. Go to number two. What is peacemaking? It is intentional. What does that mean? Go to uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 47. If you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Don't even the tax collectors do that? I like this. He really pointed, tax collectors were despised in the day. I mean, they were absolutely despised. Think about when the IRS calls you. And you just, I'm not going to answer that phone. When these were the guys that nobody liked, the tax collectors. But the tax collectors greeted their brothers. 
If they were friendly, hey, Mike, how you doing? God bless you, man. Even the tax collectors do that. Hey, how you doing, brother? Good to see you again. Even the tax collectors do that. Hello, Beth, how you doing? If you only greet your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the tax collectors do that? Here's the thing. Peacemaking is intentional. Peacemaking is going in. Okay? Merry Christmas, Kay. There's not a facade. There's not a pretending. There's a genuine hope. Go ahead. There's a genuine hope that shaking her hand, saying Merry Christmas, will bring about some sort of peace. There is a hope in your heart that you can mend the relationship. There's a hope in your heart that you can mend the rupture. It is intentional. Go to the next one. What is peacemaking? Peacemaking is not always peace achieving. That's a tough one for a lot of people. Peacemaking is not always peace achieving. Peacemaking, listen, you may try the very best you can. You may try everything. I may be at odds with somebody, and I go to them, and, and listen, brother, listen. I had a friend in Georgia, and we had a falling out. I was right. He was wrong. That's just how it goes. <laughs> we both made mistakes. We both said some things, probably shouldn't. And there was no peace between us. There was no peace between us. And before we left, before I, I felt the Lord speak to my heart, I, I, wanted to, I just wanted to, to make peace. I called him up. It had been a year since we had spoken. I called him up. I said, I said could, could we meet for some coffee down in the south? We go to the Waffle House. Can we go over to the Waffle House and meet for some coffee? And he said, well, I'm driving right now, but... But I'll meet with you. That was the first step. Thank God. I got there and he never showed up. Never showed up. He, I was waiting for him and he and I waited and I waited and I waited. I didn't. He didn't return texts. He didn't return calls. Peacemaking is not always peace achieving. Have you ever been in this situation? Where there's an enemy, there's not, not, maybe not an enemy, a friend or a loved one that you're at odds with. And, and there's been an argument or there's been a rupture in the relationship somewhere. And you go to fix it. And you go to do everything with humility and tenderness in your heart. You go to fix it and they don't even want to talk to you. The relationship has been ruptured too far. The relationship has been torn too long. And they don't even want to speak to you. Peacemaking is not always peace achieving. Go to the next scripture. Romans says it this way. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So much as it depends on you, not on them. So much as it depends on you. If I am called to be a peacemaker then I have to do everything within my ability to make peace. 
If I have to eat my words, if I have to humble myself, if I have to get down in the dirt and beg them for forgiveness, if I have done everything possible to achieve peace and they do not, peacemaking is not always peace achieving. But when possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You say, well, hold on a second, Pastor David. What if they won't talk to me? I mean, Pastor David, I've done everything I can to make this right. I've done everything in my power to try to make peace with them. What do I do in that case? They won't talk to me. They won't hear me. What do I do? They will not respond to my letters, my texts, my emails, my phone calls. What do I do then? When you have done everything possible, go to the next scripture. Matthew 10, 13 and 14. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Whoever does not receive you nor listen to your words, as you go out of that house or out of that city, you shake the dust off your feet. I have done everything possible. I have done everything imaginable. It's not that I hold a grudge. It's not that I hold, a, it's not that I hold on to it. But I just shake the dust off my feet. God, it's in your hands now. And you walk out of the city. And you walk out of the house. Holy Spirit, I leave it in your hands. I can do nothing else myself. I've done everything within my power. And now it's in your hands. You see, blessed are the peacemakers is probably one of the most difficult of beatitudes. And why is it difficult? Why is it the most difficult? Because I like to hold on to my grudge. Come on. I like to... I like to hold on to it. It becomes my little pet. I will, I will let it sleep with me. I will, I will do everything I can to nourish it and feed that grudge. Well, you won't believe what they said to me. Doesn't matter. Well, you, Pastor David, you don't know what they did to me. Doesn't matter. But Pastor David, you don't know how much they hurt me. I'm sorry. You're holding on to it. Some people have been holding on to it for years. Years. There was a woman that I, um, older, older woman, when we lived in Illinois, she went to the church, and she was, uh, oh, what's the best word to use for the podcast here? A busybody. She liked to have her nose in, 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 in a lot of different things. She, she, liked to, she liked to kind of, if somebody had an idea and it wasn't her idea, well, oh, that's not a good idea. I mean, she would, it, it, was, it was as if she was intentionally put there to annoy me. It was as if she was intentionally put there to be at odds with me. One day boy. I just got sick of it. I said something and she kind of went off and I, and I just said, you know what? I'm done. I sent her a Facebook message. 
Listen, how many have been there? How many have been there? You sent an email, you sent a text, you sent a, a Facebook message, and the second you sent it, you went, oh, no. Can I, is there any way I can get that back? Is there any way I can just, just I mean, is there like a delete function that, where they can't? Have, have you been there? Well, I sent it. Not only did I send it, I was glad that I sent it. Not only did I, listen, you don't know what she did to me. You don't know what she said to me. You don't know how she made me feel, but I told her off. I was in the wrong. And she, uh, she, <laughs> she sent me something back that said, I don't, actually it was her daughter that sent something back, said, I don't know what my mother's done to you that made, her, made you so upset and da-da-da-da-da. And I, and I held on to that, nope, I'm right, she's wrong, that's just the way it is. How many been there? Not the most humble. I certainly wasn't meek. I certainly wasn't deferential. Certainly wasn't following the Beatitudes. Years later, I finally started to let go of the grudge. I called her out of nowhere. One day I just, I said, I need to make this right. The Lord was working on my heart and I called her. I said, do you remember me? Oh yeah, I remember you. <laughs> I want to ask you for forgiveness. I was wrong. Maybe, maybe what you said was totally justified but the way you said it was ridiculous. Maybe what you said was totally justified. Maybe what you said to your neighbor or your friend or your loved one, you had every right to do it. But you didn't show them love. You didn't give them peace. So it gave you no right to do it. And she forgave me. She said, thank you so much for calling God bless you where you're at. And blessed are the peacemakers. It is one of the most difficult ones for us to handle because we like to hold on to what we have. If possible, so far as it depends on you, listen, don't be the reason the peace talks fail. Don't let you be the reason for the rupture in the relationship. Don't be the reason the peace talks fail. Don't be the reason. Don't be the cause of it. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. The most important thing, go to the next one. Number four, what is peacemaking? It is the character of our Father. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters, I'll throw that in there, of God. It is the character of our Father. Go to the next scripture. Matthew chapter 5, 43 through 45, it says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. 
Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. But see, there it is again. The sons of your Father. It is the character of my Father. I Listen, if I love him, if I follow after him, I will reflect him. If I'm following after him, if he is my father, I will reflect him. But, Pastor David, this says you shall love your neighbor. And then it says to love your enemies. Why? I mean, who am I supposed to love? I like what somebody said. The Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies. Probably because they're the same person. Probably because generally they're the same people. Blessed are the peacemakers. Listen, the character of my father is the character. It is peace. He is peace. He is peace. He is a peacemaker. The character of my father is that of peace. It's always been. It's always been. It's doing everything possible to achieve peace. That when possible, what do you think the cross is? There was enmity between the father and me. There was a giant chasm called sin that kept me from entering into the glory of my Father. The cross is the peacemaker. Jesus Christ is the peacemaker. The cross is the only reason it bridges the gap. The cross is the only thing that bridges the divide. It's the only thing that heals the rupture. He is peace. It is the character of my Father. Now, I want to be very honest with this. I don't want to gloss over this. There are some skeptics and atheists and and people that, when they talk about God, we talk about God is love and God is peace. When we talk about those things, they'll say, well, hold on a second. What about the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, he could, I mean, he commanded people to be killed. He commanded wars. He commanded all these different things. Are you just going to gloss over that like it's normally done? No. No, because we have to understand something about the God of the Old Testament. He's still the God of the New Testament. Listen, the God of the Old Testament is still the God of the New Testament, is still the God today, was the God yesterday, will be the God forevermore. And so you say, well, how, how do you justify this? Didn't God send people to war? Weren't there times he directed people to kill? And in many cases, people either don't know or don't have the courage to say what is true. And the truth of it is this. While peace is essential to the character of our Father, peace is essential to who he is, it should never, ever, ever, ever be achieved by sacrificing purity. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Go to the next scripture. The wisdom from above, James 
is first pure and then peaceable. It's first pure and then peaceable. There are so many times in today's culture where we are sacrificing purity in the name of peace. And it needs to stop. And the reason it needs to stop is that God says the, the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable. It's first righteous and then peaceable. When possible, make peace. When possible, be a peacemaker. But not at the expense of the purity of our Father. Be a peacemaker, always, but not at the expense of righteousness. We live in a culture that tells you entirely the other thing, that you have to be tolerant no matter what. It doesn't matter what it is, you have to be peaceable. It doesn't matter what it is, it just, just, just put up with it. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, First purity, and then peace. The wisdom from above is first pure, and then peaceable. It's this very important realization that leads us to our last beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Righteousness must never be compromised for the sake of peace. Never. It stands up for the holiness of God when the world demands tolerance of all. Righteousness is not tolerant of sin. Righteousness is not tolerant of sin. And you say, Pastor David, I, I, need, I need you to lift me up a little bit. I need, I need some encouragement, Pastor David. This is, this, so far, this isn't very encouraging yet. We're going to get there. Trust me. I promise you. Listen, we live in an age that calls us to compromise our purity always. But that is not righteous, and that will lead. Listen, when you stand up for righteousness, it will lead to persecution. When you stand up for purity, it will lead to persecution. Remember the steps. If we go all the way back... Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the graceful. Or blessed are the merciful. It, it's all these different things lead you to righteousness. But you say, well, Pastor David, hold on a second. I mean, if you're merciful, I mean, if you're meek, why would people want to, to persecute you? If you're peaceable, why would people want to persecute you? Because we can't do those things at the expense of righteousness. We can't do those things at the expense of purity. We can't do those things at the expense of holiness. He is still a holy God. He is still a pure and holy and righteous God. And in today's culture, we don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that. And so when you stand up for righteousness, it causes you to be persecuted. Now, we don't really, I, I mean, uh, Dave Ogren said it last week. In American culture, we don't totally get this. We aren't living in China where people are standing up for their faith and being massacred. 
We don't live in different places where people are standing up for their faith in Christ. People are meeting in underground churches. People are taking a piece of the Bible at a time and memorizing it. In America, we don't face that yet. But blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You say, Pastor David, I got a question. Why am I blessed for this? I mean, it doesn't sound all that great. It doesn't sound, being persecuted doesn't sound great. Being persecuted stinks. Being persecuted is not comfortable. It's not friendly. It's, listen, it's, I said this before, it's not the red cups at Starbucks. That's not persecution. That's American persecution. That's not persecution. It's not, well, you know, maybe you should do this. Listen, unless you're being murdered for your faith, I don't know that we know what persecution is yet. Well, I was bullied. Okay, I'm sorry. There's people that are being murdered. There's people that are laying their lives on the line for their faith. You say, well, was it so, so how is it that they're blessed? How are we blessed if we're persecuted? Go to the next scripture. I love this. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Why am I blessed by this? Why? I'm sorry. If you... If, if they revile me and persecute me and say all kinds of evil against me, if, if I go to Kobe and I revile him and persecute him and say all sorts of evil, evil against him, how is he blessed? How does this make any sense? And it makes sense because of this. When you are reviled and persecuted, it leads to this. Go to the next scripture. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For your reward is in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It was Elijah. It was Elisha. Listen, there was Moses. There was a lot of prophets that came before me who were persecuted. And thank God I get to take part in that. As a Christian, I get to take part in that. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for your reward is in heaven. Said another way, it's this. There is coming a day when no heartaches shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on the happy golden shore. What a day, a glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, a glorious day that will be. If they revile you and persecute you. If they mock you and beat you. I can tell you with all what a day that will be when my Jesus comes for me. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, as he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, a glorious day that will be. Woo! What a day that will be, Vicky. Listen, 
There's people who are struggling in this life. There's people who are struggling in this life. There's people who are hurting in this life. There's people who are persecuted in this life. But what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, as he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land, what a day, a glorious day that will be. Let's sing it. What a day that will be when my Jesus comes for me. As I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, as he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, a glorious day that will be. If you can have the worship team come forward. As we end this series, the Beatitudes. Someone once called them the How to Beatitudes. Kind of a funny play on words. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are you when they revile and curse you. Blessed are you when they mock you and beat you. Blessed are you. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You know what I love? I love that all of this is the character of my father it is the character of he is merciful he is peaceable he was persecuted he was put on a tree my son reflects my character he, he reflects he reflects me he reflects the little things he does, the little jokes he makes, the, little, the things he does that I just love about him. My little girl, she, she reflects me. She reflects my character. If we will be called the sons of God, it's because you reflect the character of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons, and I'll say daughters. God. Lord, I thank you for each person that's here to hear this this morning. Lord, I thank you for those who are able to hear this over podcast. Lord, that you would just watch over and bless them this morning. Lord, persecution is coming. We know it is. It's getting closer and closer and closer. But what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see when I look upon your face the one who saved me by his grace 
as you take me by the hand and lead me to the promised land. What a glorious day that will be. Lord, I pray over each person here this morning that, that you would just minister to their very soul. Holy Spirit, that you would just rest on their soul this morning. That as we go into the Christmas season and, and we bless people with gifts and, and we bless people with, with parties and, and, and fellowship and fun, let us not forget the cross. Let us not forget your son. Let us not get lost in the presence and the parties. But let us get lost in the Savior. Let us give everything over to the character of our Father.